Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, worship and uh, learning how to worship more deeply, learning uh, what worship is. Worship is um, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, that it describes what we ought to be about in life, that we are called to be worshipers. Uh, if there's one thing you need to get right in life, it's worship. If there's one thing you need to be doing, it is, it is worship. And so it's one of the, the most important things we can be, be talking about. Um, where's my quote here? Uh, theologian John Stott, late theologian Don, John Stott said this, Christians believe that true worship is the highest and noblest activity of which man by the grace of God is capable. That our worship is one of the highest and noblest things that we can actually do. And sometimes we just think it's maybe just a warm-up to the sermon or a warm-up to our day or just something that we might kind of fit in if we have time during our week. But it's actually one of the most important things, one of the most noble things that we are to be doing in, in our life. Uh, John Frame, a, uh, a Reformed theologian, said this, Redemption is the means... Worship is the goal. That worship is one of the goals of, of all of life. In one sense, worship is the whole point of everything. It is the purpose of history, the goal of the whole Christian story. Worship is not one segment of the Christian life, among others. Worship is the entire Christian life, seen as a priestly offering to God. And when we meet together as a church, our time of worship is not merely a preliminary to something else. Rather, it is the whole point of our existence as the body of Christ. And we're going to talk about this, but, but all of life is to be worship. And our times of worship are to be meaningful and deep. It is one thing that we are going to be doing for all eternity. I mean, there's some things that we won't be doing for all eternity. We're not going to have to go around and, and tell people about Jesus for all eternity. That's for now. We're not going to be praying over people's needs for all eternity, but we will be worshiping for all eternity. And as we worship throughout life and through our days, and as we gather here and worship, we, we are training ourselves. We are preparing ourselves for eternity. This is no small matter. I mean, sometimes people kind of poo-poo worship or, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It is the biggest deal, because we're worshiping Jesus, the one who has uh, died for us and, and risen for our new life. Psalms 89 says, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship. There is a call going out from the throne room of heaven as the uh, beings are around saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 24-7. There's this call to worship upon your life. This constant call for you to come into worship, to acknowledge God, how worthy He is, how good He is. There's this tug at our heart to come into worship. There's this joyful call to worship upon your hearts. And if you hear that call, there's promises. Those who hear the joyful call of worship, what will happen? For they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Do you want to be walking in the light of His presence? To just feel him, to sense him, to know he is there like never before. Answer the joyful call to worship upon your life. They, who? Those who hear the joyful call of worship, they rejoice all day long in your wonderful redemption, uh, rep uh, reputation. Because when you're worshiping, your, your mind, as we talked about last week, 
Our mind is heavenward, and, and even though we run into problems and difficulty, our mind is focused on the one who has overcome. And even in our difficulties, we, we can walk with this joy, this strength, because our eyes are fixed on the one whom nothing is impossible. They exalt in your righteousness. You are their glorious strength. And that bridges off what we talked about last, last week. That there is so much strength found in walking in a close relationship with God. Where you're constantly drinking from all that he has to offer. When you're constantly filling your heart. When you're constantly fixing your minds. Not on your problems but on God's ability to overcome and to work in your life. I mean if you answer the joyful call to worship it changes everything. And so there's a joyful call of worship constantly upon your life, and you need to listen. You need to follow. Now, what is worship? It's a big question. What are we talking about when we're talking about our joyful call to worship? And this is a huge topic. I mean, you could preach forever just on what worship is, because it, it is, to be all of life, it is very complex. But if we look at some definitions, uh, the New Testament, by the way, written in Greek, this is what the Greek word for worship means. It means to kiss, like to kiss, kiss towards something. It means to fall down. It means to bow down and give reverence. The Hebrew word for worship means to fall or to lay face down before someone on the ground touching your forehead to the earth. I mean, there's so much honor in God. He is so beautiful. He is so amazing that our response is to bow down and touch our forehead to the earth because he's just that. Wonderful. The English word for worship, which we'd find in our Bible, it means to ascribe worth or value to something. Uh, whatever you deem worthy, whatever you value in your life, is what you worship. And I hope that's Jesus. Some definitions from other people. Louis Giglio said, Worship is our response, both personal and co corporate, to God for who he is and what he has done expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. Again, uh, worship is not just a song we sing, though that's part of it. Worship is, is everything. Every act, every move, every thought that you do is worshiping something, whether it's Jesus or something else in your life. My favorite de definition actually is from the old 1828 Webster's Dictionary. This is how they define worship. Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Such a beautiful description of what worship is. It is to honor with extravagant love because we owe everything to the one who died for us, to do everything to the one who is king, and extreme submission because we know he is holy and strong and beautiful and good, and so, and so we just lay down our lives in his presence knowing that his way is always better than, than our way. Now, because worship is to do with worship, worship, giving worth to something, giving value to something, the reality is that every single person in this planet is, is a worshiper. If you look at the definition of giving honor and extreme submission, that everyone is a worshiper. Paul Lloyd said this, we all doesn't matter if you're Christian or whatever religion you are or atheist or you don't care about God. It doesn't matter who. We all worship all the time. We're all saying to something that this or that is worth me, my time, my money, my life. Every day we say by our actions what is that we deem to have worth. 
We have put the idea of worship into a religious box, and this hinders us from really grasping what worship is. Worship is not an event that takes place on a Sunday morning. No, we are programmed to find value in something and to give ourselves to that thing or to that being or to that God or whatever it is. I mean, everybody is a worshiper. Now, not everybody spends time during the day opening their Bible and reading to hear God and to spend time worshiping Him through prayer and song. And Not everybody does that every day. Uh, not everybody uh, spends uh, time uh, coming to church on a Sunday morning. Uh, not everybody spends, you know, taking 10% of their income. Not everybody gives that towards kingdom work. Not everybody uh, offers throughout the week sacrificial love to people. Not everybody do that. But, you know, people do that in other ways. Yeah, not everybody wakes up and, and reads their Bible and prays and, and worships God in the morning. But everybody does take time to do something. During every day, whether that's in front of the TV or whatever it might be, everybody takes time out of their day to focus on that thing that this is going to give me life. This is going to refresh me. This is going to pump me up. There's always something. For us as Christians, it's Jesus. Not ev everybody takes, you know, 10% 10, 10 or so of their income and gives it to kingdom work, but I guarantee everybody takes part of their income and gives it to something. This is going to give me more joy if I buy it. This is going to be more joy if I just have a new one of these. I mean, everybody is giving towards something. I mean, not everybody gathers here on Sunday, but I tell you, people are gathering all over this place to worship something that they think this is going to be, life is going to pump me up. This is extremely valuable in my life. I mean, everyone is a worshiper. Everybody is looking to something to give them life. Everybody is looking to that thing that is going to satisfy me. It was the late John Wimber who said this, show me where you spend your time, money, and energy, and I'll tell you what you worship. Because worship is not just a song we sing. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It, worship is all of our life. And we all place value on many things. And to put value on a lot of, it's, it's not a bad thing, but the number one thing needs to be Jesus. It's Jesus who satisfies. John 6, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Psalm 16 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. One of the reasons that a lot of people are disappointed with life is because they're not worshiping the source of life. I mean, I meet people all the time who are just extremely disappointed with life extremely broken about life, and that is because they've put their hope into something. They've put their time, energy, into money, into something that they're hoping. Maybe it's their fun. Maybe it's their family. Maybe it's their job. Maybe it's their career. Maybe it's something they're hoping. This is just going to give me life, and everything will disappoint other than Jesus, and sometimes it's good to take a step back and say, what am I actually worshiping? And you can do a little exercise, it's kind of fun, kind of maybe convicting, but just write down on a list everything that you value in your life. And it's okay to put your family, it's okay to put your boat or your quad or your, you know, your, your sports events that you like or your exercise crew or your, the thing you like. You put all that stuff, everything you value, and then just sit with God. What is it do I value above everything? Is it Jesus? Is it the one who has given his life for you? Is it the one who can actually give you life? Because if it is not Jesus, you're setting yourself up for extreme 
disappointment in your life. And it may not happen right away because sometimes those idols can stay strong for a while. You put your family is the most important thing in your life. That can be great until there's trouble and all of a sudden you're disillusioned because your family is falling apart or something's going on and, and you don't have the, the power of God flowing in your life. I mean, Jesus needs to be number one. I mean, he is so worthy of our praise. I mean, have you ever been to a rock concert? Like one of those big ones, like in a stadium. I know Marina, I've been to a few, and I'm sure some of you have. But, I mean, I tell you, uh, I mean, it's just pumped. These thousands of people are just so pumped. I mean, even before the band comes on stage. You know, the, the opening act has done their thing, and, and everybody's ready for the big band and that person that they've always wanted to see. And they're so pumped, and, and there's cheering, and there's, there's, there's shouting, and then it happens. This tiny little figure comes out, right? It's usually the way it is. This tiny little figure comes out on stage and a couple other little guys with them and it just erupts with, yeah, this is amazing. People raise their hands and people are so thrilled because that guy or that band is on stage. And that's not necessarily bad. I mean, the Bible says that we are to learn to honor one another. It's an important thing to learn to, to learn to honor other people. That's very important to learn. But I tell you, if, if that much honor goes to a rock musician... How much more honor when Jesus is around? Uh, when Jesus walks on stage? When Jesus is present in your life? Because I get you, well, I can't see Jesus, but, well, yeah, I can see the rock guy. I can't see Jesus. Can't, well, no, Jesus is here. You know that? Right now, Jesus Christ is here. And he's totally worthy. He is worthy of all. I mean, if we give that much honor to a rock musician, how much more honor to Jesus? I mean, we give more honor to ice cream sometimes than we give to Jesus. Right? You bring a little ice cream, and all the little kids are like, ah, ice cream! And, and big <laughs> us adults are like, yeah, ice cream! And like, man, if we give that much honor to, G to ice cream or rock, I mean, I mean he is just so worthy, and, he, and he's here. Yeah. And he's where you, ever you are in your life. And it's why we, we honor him wherever we are. This is why worship is not just something that happens here, but every moment we acknowledge the one who is worthy of more than anything and everything is with me he, all the time. Uh, he is, is worthy. Psalm 66 says, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give him glorious praise. Nehemiah 9. Blessed be your glorious name. And may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. And is that true of your life? May his name be exalted above all blessing and praise in your life. Because there are things we are to bless. There are things we are to praise. There are people we are to honor with, 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 with a great honor. The Bible tells us to do that. But is our highest praise our highest honor, our highest amount of energy, our highest amount of time, our highest interest in our finances, the king of this universe. Because he's worthy. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens and the highest heaven and all their starry hosts the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in, spl in the splendor of his holiness. To worship him. To understand that he is worthy above all and above all things. 
and worthy of our lives. I mean, is there something that is blocking your view of God? Is there something taking that place of ultimate praise and ultimate worship? John 4 says, true worshipers, and this is what, what our desire should be, not to be a false worshiper, but a true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You know that God is actually seeking worshipers? His eyes run to and fro looking for someone whose, whose heart is devoted to him. He is seeking worshipers. In fact, he commands worship. And sometimes like, why would God command worship? It's because he's loving. The most loving thing God can do is to seek worshipers and to command us to worship him because it is in him we find life. As God is saying, come to me, I have so much to offer, so much blessing and power and strength and newness and just, just come to me, worship me. That's why we, we run to him. But we're called to worship him in spirit and truth. We'll talk about this probably next week, but I want to point out the idea of truth. It's important you know the truth about God. Because the more you know about the truth of God, the more you will worship him. Uh, sometimes we have twisted ideas of who God really is. And it keeps us at a distance. Like God is really mean and he just wants to get me. You know, I really messed up this week, so he has no interest in me. These, these false lies about God that keep us from the truth and true worship. I mean, God is amazing. Uh, he has so many things. He's creator. He's the, the Lord of lords. He's the rock. He is the, the first and last. He's our sure foundation. He is the living God. He is our prince of peace. He's our mediator. He's Emmanuel. He's teacher. He's the bread of life. He is, he is, he's just amazing. He's awesome. And I tell you, if we actually really realize this, man, I tell you, we would just be in worship all the time. I tell you, if people in this community realize this, there would not be enough room in this church on a Sunday to hold everybody. In fact, this church would be full 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In fact, every church in this whole area would be full 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, people would just be, if you really knew who God was. I tell you, you can just dream about how amazing and, and wonderful and beautiful God is. He is way bigger. I tell you, he is so worthy of our praise. That my mouth is filled with your praise, and this is to be us, declaring your splendor all day long. Declaring your splendor all day long. Is this you? Is this your heart? Is this, is this my heart? I mean, I ask the question again, is there something blocking the way you see God that is keeping you from worshiping him with your whole heart and your whole being? Is there something blocking you? You know, it was a number of years ago, I think in the late 90s, University of Hawaii, they uh, spent $1.2 million building a, a softball stadium. And when they built it, they found out that 90% of the seats in the stadium, uh, that their view of the field was, was blocked partially just because of the way that they did the seats. 90% of the seats. And they had to spend almost a million dollars fixing the issue. But 90% of the people in the stadiums could not, did not have a full view of the field, so they could not enjoy the game fully. And sometimes this is us in our Christian life, that there are things that block us from seeing the full glory and the full beauty of God. And so our worship is not, you're amazing. It's, it's yeah, it's all right. What is blocking your view of God's glory? 
What is blocking you from just surrendering your whole life to him, knowing that he is a God of power and a God of love and a God, I mean, what is blocking you from just worshiping with your whole heart? In fact, we know God is a God who speaks. Uh, we know God is a God who, who whispers to us. And, and so let's just take a moment. Let's ask God. Maybe you maybe want to close your eyes. Let's just pray this moment. God, uh, God, we know you are glorious, and we know you are far more amazing than we realize. And God, at times there are things that block our view of who you really are. There are things that are blocking, God, from us engaging fully into worship. There are things, God, that are blocking us from surrender. And God, I pray in this moment, in this quiet, you would speak to us. What are those things, God? What, what is blocking my worship? What is blocking my surrender? Maybe it's my pride. Maybe it's my other things that I'm so wrapped up again uh, with that, that, God, you're just taking second or third place. God, God, what is it? Maybe it's something I'm looking to for life. Let's just take a moment and allow God to speak. And if you're willing, pray with me. Father, we take these things that are blocking our worship. God, we're taking these things that are blocking us from surrendering to you. God, we take these things that are keeping us from seeing your full glory and your full beauty. And God, we, we turn from them. God, we lay them down so that we might receive something greater and more beautiful and more, uh, uh, God, we would hear the joyful call to worship. And God, we surrender again our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's something we need to be doing a lot because I tell you, 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 you open up your view of God's glory and Satan's gonna wanna put something back in right in its place because there's nothing more that the enemy wants to do than keeping you from seeing the full picture of who God is because everything flows out of worship. All the fruitfulness in your life, all the fruitfulness in your marriage, in your relationship in this church, it comes from each of us having this heart of surrendered, sacrificial worship unto God. A couple more things about worship and we're done. First of all, worship is to be our lifestyle. Uh, the worship is not just something we do when we get here on Sunday. Worship is not something that you just do when you spend, you know, a bit of time with, with Jesus in the morning or the evening or whatever you do. Worship is actually be a lifestyle. If God is present all the time, then we live like it. Man, if we're like, whoa, for a rock star who we see for a couple hours, then we need to be, whoa, all the time because Jesus is there, right? We, it's a lifestyle, we run our businesses in a way that we're worshiping with integrity and love for Jesus. We, we carry out our school life in a way that we're worshiping. We talk to others. We think about others in a way that is worshipful. We come here with hearts of worship. I tell you, if you're worshiping throughout the week and you come in here, it doesn't take one or two songs to kind of warm up and get the junk out of it because you've just been in worship all week. And that's the way church is meant to be. 
We're coming together because we're worshiping and we come together where two or three are gathered. There's just, there's just an extra dimension of God's, of God's presence and glory and, and we worship. It's to be a lifestyle. Uh, Romans 12 says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's just all the time you worship God. Every thought, action, again, as we talked about last week, we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ so that it is full of worship. Colossians 3, whatever you do, not just some things, but whatever you do, whatever your job is, whatever your hobby is, whatever you like to do for fun, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, not just some things, but whatever you do, we do it all for the glory of God, that our lives are to be lives filled with worship. Josh Riley said, worship is everything we think, everything we say, everything we do, revealing that which we treasure and value most in life. Again, if your life was laid out in a book, everything you do, everything you say, all your actions, would someone read your book and say, wow, this is someone who has a heart of worship? Or would they say, well, this is someone who had a heart of worship for three songs on Sunday? We're called to live worship in everything we do and everything we breathe. We are called to live a life of worship. And, and this is a great thing, but I tell you, this has been very much emphasized in the church for maybe the last 10 years or so in, in resistance to people who just come to Sunday and worship and then and don't worship the rest of the week. And this has been a big push, but I think sometimes this has gone too far in the sense that we are losing the other big point of what worship is. And that is, worship is something that is also focused and intentional. That if you look at the Bible, and I actually read every single verse in the Bible dealing with worship this week, 245 verses in the NIV. And you know most of them, if not all of them, except for a few, whenever the word is used, it is talking about something that is direct intentional outpouring of adoration, worship, and praise. And there's this movement to say, people say, well, I don't need to go to church because my friends are my church. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to spend time in my Bible reading or praying or singing because, you know, I, I worship while I work. Okay, great. You are to worship as you work. But if you do not spend times of direct, intentional praise and worship, you will never experience the fullness of God in your life. You are completely missing out on what the Bible says about worship. That we are called to live and breathe worship every single day of our lives, but we're also called to make sure we take time out of our day, however long it is, and to give direct adoration and praise to Him. That can look like opening your Bible saying, speak to me. That can look like just sitting in silence and saying, God, speak to me that way. That can look like putting on a worship song and just, uh, just putting your attention on Him. That can look like during your work day, you just... G- Hide in the back and just sit there for a moment and just, just go, God, I just thank you. I honor you. Just, I just redirect my thoughts to you. But it is something that is directly focused on God. And some of you may be wondering why your Christian life is so empty. Again, and maybe it's because you fall into this trap. Well, I just, everything I do is worship. And you're not spending these attentional times with him. I mean, it would be like a dad saying, I love my family by making money for them. 
but he never spends time with his kids. He never has a conversation. He never hugs them. He never does any of that because I just I provide for my love my family through my work. It, okay, that's a good thing, but you're missing out what's really important. Do you have intentional times where you stop and just honor Jesus and allow his presence to touch you again, allow, him, allow his, your thoughts to reconnect with him so that you're not thinking negatively and you're, you're setting your mind on things above, not on, on things below. I mean, the, this is the way the word is used throughout the Bible. Just some of them, Revelation 4. The 24 elders fell down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders were like, I just worship throughout my week. No, worship is described for them. I fall down on my face and I honor the one who was worthy. Are there times throughout your week, throughout every day, that look like this? I tell you, you will feel way more strength if you do. Talk about finding strength in God as we talked about last week. This is where our power and our strength comes from. It's times with Jesus like this. Acts 24, I went up to worship in Jerusalem. Paul didn't say, oh, I just worship wherever I go. Obviously he did, but there are specific times where he says, I'm gonna go up to worship in Jerusalem. And you might have a time during the week. I'm gonna go to a Bible study. Or we're gonna worship. I'm gonna come to church on Sunday. I'm going to worship with other people. I'm gonna spend some time, these intentional times. Acts 13, while they were worshiping, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. You know why a lot of people never hear the voice of God? Because they never worship in a direct way. This is when you often hear God's voice. It's when you're just focused on Him. You put away the distraction and you just focus on Him and say, God, what are you saying about the situation in my life? God, what's the next step you want me to take? God, what are you doing? God, what's blocking my view? What's hindering my relation? Where you just spend time listening to him. I mean, if you're just running about, I just worship God as I'm doing all these things, which is great, this is good. You're supposed to be doing this, but you never stop. You'll just burn yourself out. In fact, one of, the, one of this big missionary organization uh, who works in the slums, have people come all the time to work with them. Uh, the needs of the slum and the poor and the hurting, and the needs are so great that, that it's so tempting just to spend all of their time just serving the people and helping the people. And the leaders of this mission organization say, you know what? It's those people who don't stop throughout the day and spend intentional, focused time worshiping Jesus who end up flying home early. It is only those who take time to be strengthened in the presence of God and to make sure God is still number one in all they do. Those are the people who go out in the mission field and are effective and last and last and last, even though it's difficult. I mean, intimacy breeds fruitfulness. Jesus said that, 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 God, that he is the vine and we are the branches and without him, I mean, we can do nothing. And in those times when we connect with him, that grow. In our society, you your excuses, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy. I got so much going on. Work is busy and I don't have time to stop and just focus. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have these intentional times of work. I just don't have time. Well, it just means that God's not your priority. I mean, we are always living our priorities. I mean, sometimes we say, oh, I, I, this is my priority. But you're living your priorities right now. You are. Now you look at Noah. You remember Noah and the big ark and the boats and the animals? I mean, this guy was, was on the ark for 40 days, 40 nights with animals, and finally he hits land. 
if there was anybody who say, you know, I'm so busy, I got so much to do, I got a house to build, I got to get these animals off, I got to provide and f- start farming so we don't run out of food. If there's anybody who said, I'm so busy, it was Noah. But you know what the first thing he did when he got off the ark was? Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his son's wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves in the land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. I know you're busy. Man, I'm stinking busy all the time. But the best thing you can be busy doing is spending time in worship. I mean, Martin Luther used to say, man, I got so much to do that I got to spend an extra hour. I mean, you spend three hours in worship and prayer in the morning because, I mean, they tell you the more connected you are in worship, the more strength you have, just the more effective everything goes. Do you have times of intentional, focused worship? Because there's a call. There's this joyful call to worship just flowing from the throne. And it's calling us in to worship, into intimacy, into those times where we learn to live out worship. And you know where you li- learn to live out worship 24-7? It's, it's in those times just you and Jesus. It's in the times when we gather here. It's the call upon our life. William Temple said this, Worship is the submission of all our nature to God. Worship is the submission of all our nature. It's just submitting in every way to Jesus. Uh, This is how you become a true worshiper. This is how you worship in spirit and truth where you finally get to a place and you say, you know what? I'm small, you're big. I don't know everything. You ever know everything? I'm not fully loving all the time. You are. I'm not all powerful. You are all powerful. Why in the world would I not submit to you? And that's what we do. We We just surrender and we bow and we give our lives to him. I'm gonna call the worship team up. Yeah, thank you. We have an opportunity, and uh, because we're going to be speaking on worship, we uh, are going to leave time over the next few weeks to spend a bit more time doing two or three songs after the message on worship to help us just uh, apply a little bit about what we've been learning. And as we start in worship today, we are going to uh, begin with, with communion. And this is part of worship. Uh, Jesus, before he was crucified, said to his disciples on that last night that we are to remember him. And one of the ways we remember him is by taking this bread and taking this this, this cup of grape juice, and, and we take those things remembering his broken body by the bread and his shed blood through the cup. And we take those things, and it's something that is, that is tangible. We, we physically remember him as we, we, we break that bread and we, we drink this cup. And so as we enter into worship, uh, just allow the joyful call of worship to fall upon you. He is calling us to a place of surrender. And I would finally be willing to say, you know what, I'm just going to lay down my pride in exchange for something greater. I'm going to take those things that are blocking my view of you, God. I'm going to put those aside. And I tell you, when you have a full view of God, everything else in life becomes alive. Your hobbies will find more life in your hobbies. You'll find more life in your friends. You'll find more life at work. You'll find more life in your ministry when you get worship right. And it begins with surrender. And so I was into, into worship. Uh, I think we're going to do two, two or three songs. Uh, just come up anytime. 
take the bread, take the cup, and then just come back, and, and we'll sing together, and then we'll close off the service. So, Father, as we enter in this time where we intentionally and directly focus our attention on you, God, may we put away thoughts of what others are thinking or what others are doing. God, allow us to be touched by you. And so, Father, we again surrender our lives to you. We put away those things that are blocking our view of you. And God, we just want to honor you. We want to allow you, God, to touch us, and we want to touch you. So may you, God, you use this time as we come to communion, as we lift up our voices and our hearts and our soul to honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.